Welcome to the podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on my YouTube channel, Bio Soul Integration. There, my goal is to help you integrate body and soul, to help you feel completely, express fully, and live authentically. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Eaker. Let's get into it. In this video, I want to talk about what it means to be a soul-led person, uh, kind of by my definition. And I'm going to talk about five challenges that soul-led people are going to be are going to face uh, on the healing journey. Uh, a lot of which you're probably facing now if you're a soul-led person and living a soul-led life. Uh, a lot of those challenges are going to be amplified right now based on what's kind of happening in the world. Uh, I'm Jay Eaker from the Bio Soul Integration Center in Louisville, Colorado, and I help soul-led people to embody their soul's gifts, to integrate their soul's essence into their body so they can share their soul's gifts through these physical bodies onto this this physical physical plane. So um, I hope you uh, like this video. If you, if you would please like it, share it with those who might be interested and please subscribe to my YouTube channel. That would be great. Uh, also you might uh, encounter this, uh, in other, on other platforms, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or a podcast, uh, please like it there and subscribe is there as well. So, um, first of all, what is a soul led person? Well, first of all, Everyone is a soul-led person because there's this way in which the nature of nature, the nature of life is that we are constantly being nudged towards our evolution. There's a, a way in which when we come onto this planet, there's a separation between our, our soul, our more spiritual self, and our physical self. And, uh, I feel like this journey here is really about learning to sort of embody our soul, that spiritual part of us into these bodies so that we can share our soul's gifts on the planet. And there's a way in which we're constantly being nudged that, uh, that integration is life is sort of nudging us towards that integration. There's always pressure. Life is always pressuring us to integrate everything that we encounter in life. Everything that is coming down the pike is life trying to get us to, to wake up, to pay attention so that we can integrate our soul's gifts and our soul's essence into our body. So there's a way in which no matter who you are, uh, you know, that's just kind of the nature of nature. And since we are embedded, uh, embedded in that, uh, as a living being, we are constantly being nudged in that direction. So in that way, everyone is a soul-led person. But this term soul-led is just kind of a term that I've come up with um, as I sort of look back on my own life. And sort of looking back, it's easier to see. But, um, you know, there were times when I certainly didn't see it. But looking back, it's like, I was, I could see this, how I was constantly being drawn towards a certain destiny. I was drawn, being drawn towards, kind of nudged towards becoming this person who would help people integrate their soul's gifts into their, into their bodies. Um, even though I didn't really start, you know, my beginnings weren't 
something that would uh, necessarily lead to that. You know, I was like born in a conservative family on a farm in Nebraska, a pretty conservative religious uh, Christian upbringing. Uh, you know, I ended up having an accident on a three wheeler. My dad took me to a chiropractor. I, I always had this sense that, uh, this sense that your body healing comes from within somehow. Uh, when my, when they had chicken pox, they had chicken pox at my grade school. And I remember thinking, okay, everyone was getting chicken pox. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to get chicken pox. I could control the fact that I get chicken pox or not with my mind. And so everyone got chicken pox. It was like, uh, like one of the last people to get chicken pox was my sister. And then I, I was like, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. And my brother got it. I didn't get it with my sister. And then my brother got it. And I was like, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. But finally, um, I did end up getting chicken pox. But there was this idea that it was in me somehow that healing comes from within. And then I ended up going to this chiropractor and that getting adjusted by this chiropractor, I saw my body, I felt, saw and felt my body healing itself from the inside out. And it sort of reinforced this uh, thing that I had always felt. And I ended up going to chiropractic school and really discovering that that's kind of the mantra of chiropractic, which I didn't know, you know, while I was getting care as a, as a kid, but that's kind of the mantra of philosophical chiropractic that, you know, the power to heal comes from within. And that was kind of a revelation. And then I discovered this network care thing, which is kind of the foundation for what I do these days, which I'm calling bio soul integration, the, the integration of body and soul. Uh, so I was, I resisted that, you know, resisted, uh, the ideas and the concepts and the awareness that were required of me to become what I was going to become. I sort of resisted, you know, my religious upbringing and uh, sort of ideas around who God is and how you're supposed to be in a relationship with God and things like that. Uh, you know, definitely I, I resisted, um, again, the ideas and concepts and that I would be required to, uh, uh, understand, you know, to become this person that helps people heal, uh, so there's a way in which I feel like despite all my resistances, I was constantly being drawn towards that. Like there was a, there was a, you know, a pinhole of light. Uh, and I was sort of being, despite all of my resistance, I kept being sort of like drawn towards that light and actually extruded through that small through that small hole, you know, something was, there was a force that was kept drawing me in that direction. And so that's a, a thing that I'm calling soul, soul led, a soul led person. And what I find is that that's kind of a commonality with the people that, uh, really hit the ground here at the bio soul integration center. Um, the people who really get what I'm talking about are, I think, similar people. It, it seems like despite people's best uh, attempts to, uh, avoid waking up, uh, just for some people, life won't let them off the hook. And, um, at some point people get that. And when they kind of do get that, uh, this is a place and this, you know, in my message seems to, 
to, to resonate, to resonate with them. And so those are the people that I call soul led people. So, you know, uh, yeah, this seems that there's a certain level of, um, uh, certain, uh, mass, critical mass of awareness that happens and suddenly, uh, people kind of make a shift, uh, from, you know, resisting their soul led destiny to going along with it. So, you know, what, why does that happen? Well, again, it, it has a lot to do. And what is that point where people shift? Well, it has a lot to do with awareness. At some point, again, there's just a, a great enough awareness, uh, where our soul, the, the pull towards integrating our soul and the pull towards that more spiritual part of ourselves, uh, gets stronger than the resistance. And we kind of like make a conscious decision to sort of, to sort of, uh, go towards that. And so there's like a, a change in consciousness, a change in awareness. There's like a light bulb that, that, you know, that turns on and we see, Oh, I kind of see what's been going on. There's a way in which life has constantly been pulling me in this direction. And maybe in, like in my case that I was even praying, you know, that I just wanted to fulfill my purpose. That was always my prayer. And, and my purpose kept showing up as this thing and still, um, I resisted it. So I think there's a way in which similarly people think, you know, they, they pray for, um, to, uh, fulfill their destiny or whatever. And, um, there's a way in which they doubt that what's showing up in their life is that because as soon as we ask life, will start to start to give it to us. So, um, what is it that causes this sort of consciousness shift or this awareness or this light bulb to sort of switch on? Um, well, it's anything that increases awareness and often things that increase awareness are things that have to do with, um, the body, um, greater awareness in the body. You know, the spine is a conduit of consciousness. Um, so anything that we're doing involving breath and, and life force energy and bringing more awareness to, to what's going on in the body, to how that moves in the body is going to create this greater awareness, um, overall. So of course the spiritual work that people are doing, whether that's yoga or meditation or prayer, uh, is definitely going to make that happen. And I think it sometimes happens to people by surprise, you know, they, maybe they were doing yoga because they noticed it helped them with their back pain at some point. So they kept doing it or, or maybe they just do yoga because they want their butt to look good, you know, but, uh, certainly intention matters. But even if you're doing yoga just to make your butt look good, if you do it long enough, uh, it's going to start to affect your consciousness. It's gonna, there, you're going to wake up. Um, and, uh, or maybe people did it for back pain and they keep doing it because this is the thing that, that, you know, helps my back stay, uh, steady or whatever. But, um, eventually again, even if whatever your intention is a powerful thing, of course, but doing spiritual or meditation, maybe you did meditation because you were dealing with emotional issues, depression or anger, or maybe you're doing it to like, uh, perform better 
at your job or things like that. But um, doing those are powerful meditation, yoga, anything that anything that involves mindfulness and involves bring, paying closer attention to your body and and um, the movement of breath and energy in your body, feeling your body basically feeling the sensations in your body, anything that involves that is going to um, change consciousness. The old identities that we gathered along the way are going to fall away, and this new awareness is going to take its place, which is more and more and more about uh, the part, you know, who we really are. But it doesn't have to be spiritual work. It can also happen as a result of things that we encounter in our, in our everyday lives. The good stuff, the quote unquote good stuff that we, that we encounter, um, a significant experience of nature, uh, a significant experience of making love, having a child, um, you know, all the, the sort of positive sort of expansive, uh, amazing things that can happen to us. Um, those can prompt us, prompt a sort of increase in awareness or an awakening or get us to stop and pay closer attention. You know, like we were at uh, Yellowstone recently, just took a camping trip to Yellowstone and there all over Yellowstone, there are these like amazing deep blue pools that are rimmed by all these other crazy colors, gold and um, amazing colors. You can just sort of see the consciousness of nature Nature does some amazing, beautiful things that can tend to, you know, affect you, uh, uh, change your own consciousness. Uh, so things like that. Then there's also, you know, quote unquote negative things that we might encounter in life losses, like the loss of a loved one or an illness or an injury or, um, you know, loss of a job, bankruptcy, uh, losses of crises, natural disasters, crises, like the one that we're, um, experiencing now. And in truth, I think that's what this coronavirus crisis is really, is really all about. It's designed to get us to stop and pay closer attention and, um, so that we can actually feel more intensely the draw of our soul and get clear on who we are and why we're here so that we can give our souls gifts. And I have sort of an analogy that I came up with to kind of illustrate this. So it's like, um, it's like if we are picture that you're in a, in a, a sort of a dome, a, we're inside of a dome, let's say a big dome and it's, it's a big, you know, so we're inside of this big room we're on the bottom of it and, um, you know, maybe it's just a cement floor or whatever. And we're inside of a big dome and it's black, dark. Most, there's no lights in here. There's no lights in this dome except for somewhere high up. There's an opening there where you can see light coming in, coming in. There's a, uh, uh, an exit or an opening way up above our heads somewhere, um, that we can see, you know, we can see, light coming through there. And that's, that's kind of the only thing that we can see. And in this room with us is a bunch of baggage, a bunch of, uh, suitcases and, and things like that that are packed with, uh, packed with all our baggage. Um, which is, which is analogous to, 
all of our unprocessed, undigested stuff that we sort of gathered when we came into this world and when our sensitive survival nervous system started to feel into the world around us and we picked up on all of our parents' baggage and the, and the people around us, the culture at large, their baggage, and we just sort of adopted that. Uh, all the baggage that sort of comes with us through our lineage that our family members and our lineage is, is trying to work out all the time. And then there's all the stuff that, of course, that we encounter along the way. We encounter, you know, the hurts and traumas and accidents that overwhelm us and create and, you know, overwhelm our systems and create baggage, if you will, uh, in our bodies and lives, unprocessed, you know, stuff that we're not, we don't want to look at. Uh, a shadow. This is shadow material, basically. And it's all packed away in these suitcases. And these suitcases are piled up in this room all over the place. And we can see this light up there. And that's all that we can see. And it illuminates this baggage, these suitcases. And, you know, our first thought is to be like, well, maybe there's an opening somewhere on the floor here. Maybe amidst all this baggage, there's a, a way to get out of this thing, out of this this place. Uh, and so we start to move the bags around, you know, uh, we start to move them to one side of the room and create, you know, explore this part of the floor, this, this corner of the, the, the wall, you know, is there a way that we can get out? Maybe, uh, maybe we try to throw the bags out of the hole, you know, but we can't, it's too, it's too high up. You know, we try to get rid of the baggage somehow. Uh, you know, and in some way I would say this is sort of analogous to uh, the allopathic model, um, where, you know, thank goodness for allopathy, thank goodness for the medical model. They're good at helping us, you know, at saving our lives when our lives are, uh, being threatened by disease or by an injury, uh, or, or something like that. But, uh, and they can help save our lives. But, um, in general, where our health is concerned, they're, their, you know, modus operandi is to help, uh, try to get rid of pain, get rid of things, get rid of symptoms, uh, numb, numb us to those symptoms, give us drugs to, um, so that we don't have to feel the symptoms. You know, the problem is still there. You just can't feel the symptoms. You're still in this room. You're still stuck in there. Um, uh, so it's kind of, I think this mode of trying to like, you know, move the baggage around, reposition it, uh, put it to, a, put it all, you know, to a different part of the, the room, move it, you know, to try to avoid it basically. Uh, and after doing that for enough time, we do that. We move it over here, move it over there, find this room, you know, we're not finding a way out of this space that we're in. Uh, we start to realize like, huh? Well, we just stop maybe and look and start to wonder about all this baggage, all this stuff in these suitcases. And so maybe we take one of these suitcases, uh, you know, it's like acceptance dawns and it's like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get out of here this way because I've been trying doing this for years. Well, let me just look at one of these suitcases. Let's see what's in this suitcase. And so maybe we look at it and we open it up and there's clothes or something in there. Maybe we look at it and uh, we try it on to see if it fits and realize it doesn't fit anymore. And it's kind of, um, old, 
worn out, doesn't serve us anymore. And we just kind of start unpacking all these suitcases. And pretty soon there's, and just letting the clothes beyond or whatever's in there beyond the floor. And pretty soon the stuff that's on the floor sort of stacks up and it stacks up and it stacks up and we unpack more suitcases and it, it picks us up higher and higher and higher. Um, as we're sort of ride on top of this, you know, increasing pile of our, of our, of what was our issues, our unprocessed stuff, um, our baggage, you know, and, um, at some point we maybe start to notice like, oh, I hadn't really, I hadn't, I just had decided to unpack some of this baggage, um, but what I, I hadn't really noticed that, huh, I seem to be getting closer to that opening up there, that light. I seem to be getting closer to that. So at some point we kind of make the decision like, oh, you know, I see it's this, it's helpful to unpack this stuff. So I'm going to look at this stuff and unpack it. And we start to become aware that it's helpful. It's taking me closer to this, closer to this light, closer to this opening up there. And, um, yeah, and eventually we can kind of get, hopefully get close enough to that opening to crawl, to crawl out of there. Hopefully. So at a point we get, we used to get, we become more compelled by, we start to recognize the relationship between unpacking this stuff and, um, and getting closer to that opening. And so eventually in hindsight, we'd be able to stand in that opening and look down and see that, oh, and realize that, oh, all of this stuff, all of my baggage, all of the stuff that happened to me um, along the way in my life was actually there to help me climb out of here. I, I needed that stuff. All of that stuff was, all those challenges, uh, it, it was useful. It's useful stuff. I needed it to stand on top of it to be able to get, to get um, towards the light. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, again, that's just kind of an analogy that I came up with to sort of illustrate how our shadow material, the unconscious stuff that we encounter is actually designed to help us. It, it becomes fuel that, that motivates us to to, to connect and brings us closer to connecting with our our soul, our more spiritual self, our soul's gifts and our, and our soul's essence. And, you know, at a certain point in time, if I told, if the person before all this started, if the person was down there on the floor trying to move stuff around and I told them that actually you, someone told them that, you know, you know, actually this stuff is, uh, for you to look at, for you to sort of process and digest and stand on top of, um, this is the, this stuff that's in here is the stuff that's going to unpacking. This is what's going to be the solution. You would have said, no, you know, that's ridiculous. I got to move it around. I got to find a solution. And often, you know, it's similar. People are at a certain place along the healing journey. And if I were to tell them that, oh, the solution here is to actually go towards the pain, the solution, you know, yeah, the solution, the window, the, the portal, this, the ultimate solution is to go towards the pain. The problem is actually the solution. Uh, you know, they can't quite hear that, but, uh, after, you know, going through this process of trying to, 
you know, make the pain go away, make, uh, fix themselves somehow after many years of doing that, there's an acceptance that starts to dawn and they start to realize like, Oh, that's not working. And maybe this pain or this shadow or this problem that's been in front of me all this time, maybe somehow that's the solution. And, and, you know, it's at that point that there's this momentum. That's our soul kind of calling us. And there's this momentum that happens where again, our soul's drawing is stronger than, than the resistance is. And it's that at that point where I tend to meet people and they tend to hit the ground, tend to hit the ground, um, running here. So, uh, there are again, five challenges that people face along that journey. And so, uh, that was kind of happening in that analogy that I just, that I just went to. The first of those is that, you know, again, where we see our, where we see, oh, how we're encountering the same problem and we do the same thing over and over again and we feel the same thing and think the same thing and find ourselves in the same situation over and over again. That's a certain part of the, the journey, uh, where we've kind of noticed that we're stuck and, um, we see that enough. Eventually we will stop and be like, Oh, you know, I see that doing this again, getting, you know, thinking the same thing, feeling the same thing, this is not working. And, uh, that's, there's some acceptance that dawns. And so that's kind of the first challenge, kind of like letting go and creating and letting acceptance happen. And when that acceptance does happen, uh, that's when the fear of, um, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, cause there's some fear involved with not doing the old thing that we're comfortable with. So when the fear of not doing the old thing that we're comfortable with, uh, is more acceptable than the sort of disgust and frustration that comes with doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, uh, then we've kind of moved to another stage. The second challenge, and, and that's when we're willing to sort of start to do shadow work. We're willing to look at our shadow. There's this acceptance that happens. And then we, we start to get curious about our stuff. And the second challenge is shadow work where, where we make a commitment to actually staying present with, um, the hard stuff, the grief, the anger, the fear, um, that's associated with our baggage and start to look at that stuff. Um, and when we do that, the third challenge starts to unfold, which is trust, trusting life. First of all, because as we sort of let go of control and give ourselves permission to be sort of like drawn in and feel more of our shadow material, um, there's something that, that unfolds. Um, we start to see that we're not going to die if we feel that stuff. Uh, and that life is not actually against us. Our life and our bodies are not conspiring against us that, uh, you know, we're not going to die if we give ourselves permission to look at that stuff and feel that stuff. And in fact, in doing that, we start to create some space 
and see how life was actually using that stuff to um, nudge us towards our towards our evolution. And when that happens, the fourth challenge starts to unfold, which is trusting more of ourselves. Uh, trusting, we start to see. It's when then that we that we start to become more aware of what lights us up, of what our gifts are, uh, and sort of trusting, going towards what lights us up, and we start to trust ourselves more. Uh, and that leads to sort of the fifth challenge, which is a deep level, letting a deep level of satisfaction sort of influence us because there is a deep level of satisfaction that unfolds and we, as we start to trust ourselves and our own gifts um, and, and begin to think about serving people with those gifts, there's a deep level of satisfaction that happens that's sort of above and beyond the kind of surface level of happiness that most people are searching for through, you know, having a decent job and having a decent level of health and a decent amount of money and, um, uh, going to movies and not to say that any of those things are bad, but there's just a kind of a surface level of happiness that we're, you know, uh, that we encounter if, if we're living life, you know, again, if we're trying to, if our sole goal in life is just to have a certain, you know, amount of money, a certain level of health there, there's a deep level of satisfaction that comes by giving our gifts and serving, um, the, and serving others with those gifts, uh, that is above and beyond our external circumstances. So we could say you not have that much money or not have that much health or, um, and still be very, there's a way in which we could, you know, not, uh, have money or health and still be very happy because we are giving our gifts and serving others with those gifts. Um, and also to mention that there is a, there are certain, so how to, how does a person, uh, how can you sort of like reverse engineer, you know, like I, I sort of learned this sort of, this sort of analogy that I was unfolding there. Like I learned that, um, by trial and error basically. And a lot of help from other, from other people, from other healers and from, from other people who helped me figure that out, of course. But, um, how can you sort of hack that, speed up this, you know, speed up your progress and hack that. Well, I'll give you, cue you in on a little trick, which is that certain people are wired in such a way that they lead with a certain strategy. So some people are feeling oriented. They have to feel it in their body. So if you were, you know, at the top of that dome and climbing out of that dome into the light, you know, what would you feel? Probably a lot of awe and a lot of, um, gratitude. Those are key. So what some people are feeling oriented and they just can feel those things. You generate gratitude and awe, uh, and appreciation. Um, but some people are action oriented, you know, they need to take the actions that you would take if you were connected to your soul. Um, and some people are systems oriented. They, uh, they lead with 
organizing their life in such a way as if they are connected to their soul. Uh, but if you're a person who's say system oriented and you are leading with trying to feel, it's not going to work. You're just not wired that way. There's going to be a lot of suffering involved that way. If you're uh, feeling oriented and you try to take action first, which I find a lot of people do in the, say, Tony Robbins world, you know, there's like, take massive action, you know, uh, and there's a way in which people kind of like know what they need to do and they try to do those things. But if they're feeling oriented and they're going with action first, it won't work. It's a, it's a recipe for suffering. And so just to uh, think about, you know, are you someone who uh, needs to feel things? Are you someone who needs to take action first? Are you someone who needs to sort of organize your life first? Um, and when you find the right, the right one that you lead with, the other ones sort of like tend to, to fall into place. So, uh, I think that's it. Um, again, just to conclude, like awareness is the key. So, all the things that you can do to increase your awareness, your spiritual practices, yoga, meditation, of course, all the other modalities that are out there, um, you know, all the different practitioners that can help you do that, like the work that I do here at the BioSoul Integration Center. Um, and again, just like trust life. Life is not messing with you. Your body and your life are not messing with you. All of the stuff that you've encountered, you know, it's not, it's... You can get wrapped up in blaming your crappy parents or the crappy things that have happened to you or the crappy situations you find yourself in, but it's really not that. Um, those things are all designed for you to unpack uh, and stand on uh, so that you can connect with your soul's gifts and your soul's essence and create freedom that way. So if you found this useful, if you found this interesting, please like it, please share it. And uh, I look forward to helping you express more life. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the BioSoul Integration Podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on my BioSoul Integration YouTube channel. You can also find me on the web at BioSoulIntegration.com. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to helping you express more life. Have a great day.